Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. I said, Good morning, church. It's a great morning, isn't it? It's a wonderful day today. I'm so glad that the sun is out, but I watched this temperature this morning. It was 13 degrees. So I was wondering, my goodness, you know, are we heading into something now? But anyway, let's enjoy the summer as is. And, and the summer has good and the bad thing, and the good thing is that we enjoy the weather. The bad thing is that it's hard for people to come to church. So. <laughs> I know there are many people are off today. That's wonderful. And uh, we just greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are glad that we can be in the house of God. As you know, we are going on a journey, on our journey through the Gospel of John. And today we'll be looking at chapter 8, verses 37 to 47. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open to that particular chapter. And if you don't have one, there is one in the, in the, in your, just in front of your seats. You can find it. Please uh, take that. Because this message, as I prepared it, it truly convicted me so badly. It's a very personal message to you and I. So I just want to go through very slowly. And as I mature in age as a pastor, I'm more convicted than ever before that my role is only to instill in my church family a genuine faith. That's my role. I do my best to be where people want me to be, but the Lord is convicting me that I was not necessarily doing the right thing. I seem to be jumping up and low to address the symptoms, but failing to deal with the root cause. I realize that I do not hold a magic wand. I cannot perform miracles. I need to point everyone to Him and Him alone. If someone is not willing to heed the counsel, there is no redemption from the crisis. If someone does not want to seek him first, church, no amount of my time, my energy, my counsel will yield any results because the solution is found only in Christ. So these are those who seek the Lord as a redeemer to redeem them from their burdens, as a restorer, as a provider, as a protector, as a healer. There's nothing wrong with that. Because you want Christ for these characteristics. Your religiosity is shaped and formed by these needs of a God. You are very religious, you look so pious, you are so devoted, you speak the right language, you wear the right gown. Just come along with me, church. Picture yourself. You have always called Jesus as Lord. You have served Him in some impressive and prominent roles in the church, in the ministries. Maybe you served as deacons and board members and elders and ministry leaders or missionaries even. Not only that, church, you have prophesied and cast out demons and even performed miracles in His name. And at the end of your journey, you say, like Apostle Paul, 
I fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept my faith. And very merrily, you prepare yourself to enter into the kingdom of God. And you show up. And the Lord looks at you. And the Lord says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I just want us to sink this powerful warning from the Lord. You are turned away from heaven at judgment. What a shock that would be. What a tragedy, church. I want us to know that that is irreversible destiny. You wonder where you have gone wrong, you regret deeply, you plead, you weep, you wail, but there is absolutely no hope at that time in your life, isn't it? It's too late at that time. Church, there are only two eternal destinies for every human on this planet, ever lived and ever living today, either heaven or hell. Heaven is the house of God. So who can enter into the house of God. Who can? One day I was going to drop off my little grandson at his house, and as I approached his house, he peeped through the window of the car and he said at a distance, that's my house. So I said, no, that's daddy's and mommy's house. And just to annoy him, I kept saying, that's not your house. I love to annoy him all the time. I'm sure grandparents, that's what we are gifted with, isn't it? Annoy them. And you know, church, come to think of it, this little fellow, whom I love so dearly, as cute and cuddly as he can be to me, he is in fact a liability. I know the parents don't like this statement. Why do I say that? Because he doesn't pay the mortgage. He doesn't pay any bills. He costs a lot of money to look after because his pampers and his toys and his daycare and the list can go on and he does not contribute a penny. And his name is not on the deed of the house. But yet, church, his claim was indeed right, isn't it? That his house, he has every right to enter. And every right for him to say, that's my house. Me being the father, I have no right to say, that's my house. My wife has no right to call that his house. The only one person who can claim is my grandson. Why? Because he is the legitimate child of my son and my daughter-in-law. Do you get that picture? I hope you do. I hope you do. Only a legitimate child of God can enter into the house of God. He can claim access to it. So unless you are a legitimate child of God, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You just cannot. Make sense, church, what I'm saying? Yes, of course. So my question this morning is this. Are you a legitimate child of God? Are you a legitimate child of God? This is the crux of the message today. So let me remind you of the warning from the Lord himself. I want you to hear it clearly. And the Lord tells this again in the same passage. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And, and verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have, I, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I tell you, depart from me. Depart from me. I know in the last week's study, we learned that the faith of the Jews was not a genuine saving faith, isn't it? That's what he learned last, last Sunday. Because it was seen that these believers were trusting their Jewish lineage for right standing with God. They thought that being Jew by birth automatically made them spiritually free. That's what he learned last time. But Jesus made it clear to them that actually they were slaves of sin. And Jesus goes on to tell them that Unless he sets them free, they are not free at all. In today's text, Jesus refutes their claim. Jesus explained that if you are true children of Abraham, hear me out, church. They are not only right with God, they are the children of God, implying that they have inherited the sonship and they are the ones to enter into the kingdom of God. But in this case, Jesus is saying, you are the sons of the devil. So in our text, the Lord reveals a number of characteristics of the false children of God. Of the false children of God. So church, come along with me. What makes this dialogue so scary, and as I was preparing it, listen to me, because these were very religious people. Religious people who profess to believe in Jesus, like some of us may be, yet the Lord clearly tells them that these Jews who are actually children of the devil, implying they have no room in the kingdom of God. No room. Church, note that these people were not raw pagans and, or atheists or religious rebels or even idolaters. These people profess to believe in the God of Abraham. Outwardly, they were zealous for their religion. But Jesus plainly tells them that they were deceived. They were actually in Satan's camp. But in their minds, they were convicted that they were right in their belief. Scary, isn't it, church? It may apply to some of us. So here is how this message is so relevant for us. We who profess to be Christians and perhaps even are zealous about our faith, need to think carefully through these five characteristics to make sure that we are not deceiving ourselves. I'm going to just walk you through five characteristics. So with this intro, let's dive into the text today. Verse 37. Jesus repeats their claim. I know that you are Abraham's descendants but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you so the first characteristic of a false child of god is your religious affiliation let me explain that to you everybody say the word affiliation your religious affiliation they rely on their religion to put them in good standing with god 
This theme is repeated here so that we don't miss it. This is what they told earlier. Last week we looked at this in verse 33. Look at this passage. They answered, we are Abraham's... Uh, I'm sorry, I must have missed one verse here. Verse 33, yes. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants. Do you get it? And what they are saying is, affiliating with Abraham, who was a righteous man in the eyes of God, isn't it? And had never been in bondage to anyone, how can you say you will, made, you will be made free? Jesus acknowledges but they were Abraham's descendants physically. Physically. But he says there's a problem in their claim. They were not Abraham's descendants spiritually. Spiritually. Come along with me as we look further. Verse 39. Look at this. They still repeat. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus, in the event you don't know this, let me explain to you. Abraham is our father. But Jesus rebukes them. Look at the second part. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But what are you trying to do? Jesus is saying, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. So when Jesus points out that their deeds were not in line with Abraham's, and Jesus further goes on to tell them who their father is. Because they are claiming we are children of Abraham. And Jesus is telling them, verse 41, look at this. You do the deeds of your father, which is not Abraham. Implying what? Abraham is not your father. You are not doing what Abraham would do. Your deeds show that your father is devil father is devil of course that would upset them won't you upset if i just call you and said your father is devil you might choke me you may i may not go home but that may be true for some of us i'm not looking at anyone i'm just saying this see their response here they are very angry and look at this verse number 40 41 we were not born of fornication, meaning we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God. See how they are elevating themselves. From Abraham, we have one father, God. The term fornication must be understood in order for us to get this message. In the Old Testament, fornication or idolatry is described as spiritual adultery. So that's why they say we were not born of fornication. In other words, what they are saying is we are not like Gentile idolaters. We were not born like idolaters, Gentiles, rather as Jews. God is our father. That's what they're saying. The Jews were counting on their Jewish heritage and religion to put them in right standing with God. You know what? Apostle Paul did the same thing, isn't it? As we go through the book of Philippians, we say, you know, he was boasted about his Jewish credentials, and we know that for sure. I'm not going to go through everything. He said, I'm circumcised on the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, persecuting the church, concerning the righteous which is in law blameless. 
That is who Apostle Paul was while he was persecuting the Christians. Then, after God saved him, this is an important lesson for us. When God saved him, he wrote about who, about who a true Jew is. Look at this passage very clearly. He says, no, a person is a Jew, now Paul explained, who is inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of what? The heart, by whom? The spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from whom? Other people, but from whom? From God. And that is why when he wrote to the saints in Galatia, he says this very clearly. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. He clearly defines who the children of Abraham are. Those who are of faith. In other words, if you claim to be a child of Abraham, you will possess a genuine faith. Church is a great lesson for us. It's a great blessing to be born to Christian parents and reared in the church as I, as I was and many of you may be. But your religious upbringing will do you no good but will only increase your responsibility on judgment day. If you do not respond to the gospel with the repentance of your sins, and possess a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how about you, personally? Are you still boasting about belonging to a good Christian heritage, like the Jews? You know, I came across, I've come across people, I was trying to, in my, in my ministry with some people, I, there was a lovely young lady. When I was trying to speak to her from the Word, she said, I was born a Catholic, I will live a Catholic, I will die a Catholic. I used to say I was born a Methodist. I, was, I belonged to the Methodist church before. I was born a Methodist, I live a Methodist, I die a Methodist. I still remember when my wife came to me and she says she wants to be baptized, she wants to obey in the waters of baptism. I said, please go, I love you, do whatever you like, leave me alone. Till the Lord convicts you. I belong to a priestly family. My grandfather was a priest. My father was an elder. I grew up in a church. My mother was in charge of the choir. You know what, church? You can masquerade as much as you like. But all these affiliations will not favor you with your admission to the kingdom of God. Only a genuine faith in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will. That's the only thing that will make you the child of God. That's the only thing that will let you enter into the kingdom of God. So the first characteristic that you're looking at of the false child of God is your affiliation. Where is your affiliation? Second characteristics, we're going to look at the next verse, is verse number 39. Look at this. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, what would you do? You would do the works of Abraham. So the second characteristic is not only your affiliation as the first one, your actions. Church, I want you to pay attention to this particular, uh, uh, the, I want to call the pH test. This particular test is very important, it's very practical to all of us. 
what is this text saying here? These Jews claim to be claim to be children of Abraham and of God. They were the spiritual fathers. But Jesus is saying back to them, if you are Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. That's what he says. And in verse 40, he hits the nail on the head. Look at this. He clearly pointing at their action, but you seek to do what? Kill me. You are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham, what? Did not do this. You get it? So they were pretty offended by what Jesus said, so they turned back to Jesus. After this one, we looked at the passage before, we were not born of fornication, we are one father, God. They just elevated themselves from Abraham, now we are children of God. When Jesus heard this argument that God was their father, he replies this, verse 42, look at this. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, no have I come of myself, but he sent me. So Jesus is saying, if, you were God, if God were your father, what would you do? You would love me. You would love me. But your action shows that you'd want to kill me. Church, the Jews were claiming to be devoted followers of their religion, but at the same time, they were trying to kill God's unique son who was sent for our redemption. Their actions revealed their true nature that they were the children of the devil. Now see how Jesus connects the dots. Very interesting as you, as you focus on this. Their action and the actions of their father, the devil, Jesus is making a connection in the next verse. He presents to them two specific characteristics of their father, the devil. Come along with me, verse 44. I will go slow because I want you to get it. You are the father of, you, sorry, you are of your father, who is he? The devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was who? A murderer. What do the Jews want to do? Kill Jesus, isn't it? Your father, devil, he's a murderer. That's the first trait that we are seeing from the beginning. And does not stand what? In the truth, because there is no what? Truth in him. That's the second trait. He's a liar. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his where? Own resources. For he is a who? Liar and the father of it. You know, church, in this verse we see that Jesus goes on to explain that Satan is both a murderer and the father of lies. That's what Jesus is saying here. Satan murdered the entire human race by lying to Eve about what God had done, isn't it? In the book of Genesis, we read that. And as such, Satan is the author of all the murders and lies. Since the Jews were seeking to murder Jesus, since they were liars, they were reflecting what? Their true nature as children of the devil. That's what Jesus is saying. So it's just like the chip of the old block. That's a very famous saying, isn't it? You're doing what your father used to do. Church, but tragically, these Jews didn't see how deceived they were. 
they believed in their lies. They thought that they were the righteous ones and that Jesus was the liar and the deceiver. This really hits home, church. So let me pause here and pose a question to every one of us. Whose child do my actions reveal me to be? Your actions, my actions. Let this sink in. Your actions, your words, your behavior. Whose child do my actions reveal me to be? It's a question that we ought to ask, church. Let me break this down and see how it impacts us. Two characteristics we spoke about. One, a murderer. Second one is a liar. Let me start with the first. Let me ask you, church, have you murdered anybody? I'm sure you have not. I hope not. I hope not. Then you might say, I'm off the hook. I don't want to kill anyone. But not so fast, church. What did Jesus say about murder? We have learned that many times, and it's a well-known text. Let me bring it up to you, just to just refresh your memory here. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard it said, it was uh, uh, to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be what? In danger of the judgment. You get it? And, but I say to you, but I say to you. There's a qualifying statement, isn't it? This is what you heard, but let me explain to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the same judgment. You would be judged when you murder, you would be judged when you are angry. Can you see, church? It doesn't stop there. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Have you ever allowed this verse to, die, to, to, to penetrate into our hearts? Jesus is not mincing in words or the warning here. If you are an angry person, you need to get radical in eliminating that sin from your life. At the very least, it indicates that the devil has gotten a foothold in your life. Church, that is why Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, do not be angry and do not sin. Getting angry or having that anger is not sinful. But he says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath and no give place to the devil. At worst, it indicates that you may not be a true child of God. Scary, isn't it? Scary, church. In either case, anger is not a minor fault. It's a major sin. There's a story about a father and a son. A son used to get very angry all the time. And, and, and his father was trying to uh, explain to him, talk to him. He was not listening. He said, son, here's what I want you to do. Every time you get angry, take a nail and drive it on the fence. And he started driving nails, driving nails, driving nails. And to see the fence is full of nails. And one day the father took him and said, son, look at all the nails that you have driven on this fence. And the son felt so ashamed of himself. And the father said, now... Every time you are able to control your anger, go and pull the, pull the nail out. And he did. But when he removed all the nails out, he was able to get rid of his anger. 
but he could see what on the fence? The scars. The scars. Church, the nails are gone, but the scars remain. You may be forgiven, but the scars will remain forever. It can never be erased from the memory bank. You can never undo it. You need to repent, seek the Lord for restitution. So you ask, Pastor, how do I control my anger? You know, when I get angry, and I do get angry, trust me, I zip my mouth. When I don't talk, my children panic. They know daddy is angry. They know it's not a good time to talk. They want me to talk. I will never talk. Because I know the first words that's going to come is not going to be pleasing to the Lord and not going to be acceptable by them. Okay, let's look at the second one about lying. Church, in, 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 the, in the verse 44, he says, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Are you committed to being a truthful person or do you bend the truth when it's to your advantage? Do you put on a Christian front so that you look good at church but you actually live in violation of God's word at home or when you are in private? Is there an absolute transparency in your life? Does your spouse know you? Do your parents know you? Do your children know you? Or are you living a hypocritical life? It's lies, isn't it? Because hypocrisy is lying. Simple as that. If you ask me, how am I lying? If you're living a hypocritical life, you are lying. Being truthful is the mark of God's true children, but lying is the mark of the devil's children. The problem with hypocrisy, church, is the psychologists say it is difficult to detect for the person committing it. So you ask the question, how do you know, pastor, that I am a hypocrite? Here are some quick signs. Now, I don't have time to go into that, but just for us to uh, uh, you know, consider this, when you go home, you can look into this. The first sign that I see from the scriptures is pretend to be someone that they are not. They're like the whitewashed tombs. That's what Matthew 23, 25. All taken from the scriptures. The second one that you see is that the hypocrites love the praise of men. You blow a trumpet when you do a charitable deed. You're a hypocrite. Thirdly, a, hip a, hip a hypocrite is more concerned on correcting others than themselves. You're more concerned about the speck on somebody else's, but not worried about the plank that you have. Fourthly, a hypocrite put more uh, importance in man-made man traditions, not in godly ordinances. Number five, a hypocrite's heart is far from God, and you honor with lips in the church, but your heart is far from the Lord when you step out of the church. You're a hypocrite. Number six, you forget the weightier, uh, the hypocrite forgets about the weightier matter of the law like the justice, mercy, and faith. You cling on to the other aspects of law, and you become more legalistic. And the seventh one is that you are, you are a very self-righteous person. Church, if, any of, any, if you possess any of these symptoms, you need to ask yourself, am I truly a child of God? Scary, isn't it? Scary, isn't it? It's very scary for me as I was preparing this. Your actions would reveal if you are indeed a child of God or a child of the devil. 
So we looked at two things, and, uh, and your religious affiliation. Second thing is your actions. And the third one, we're going to look at in verse 37, Jesus, uh, the Jews were seeking to kill Jesus because his word had no place. There's a problem with the word of God. That's what they're seeing. And then in verse 45, look at this. Jesus adds, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So the third problem is that alignment with God's word or our conviction for God's word. That makes you a false child. The truth threatened them because it exposed their sinful hearts rather than believing the truth, repenting of their sins, they were trying to eliminate the messenger. So you might ask, Pastor, how does it apply to me today? How do professing Christians today try to eliminate Christ and his word from their lives? Some liberal Christians do it by undermining the authority and the inerrancy of the scriptures. It often starts by rejecting the early chapters of Genesis. Have you heard that? So that they can accommodate evolution. Oh, that's just a story. Or it moves on to eliminating the miracles of the, in the Bible as mythical stories. They distance themselves from the parts of the Bible that don't align with their enlightened understanding of things. For example, they argue on the biblical roles of men and women and are, that are culturally antiquated and not binding us on, on today. Or they say the biblical view of homosexuality is homophobic. They say that the overarching virtue of the Bible is love and tolerance for everyone. You say, I don't belong to that group, Pastor. It may be true that, but we, we evangelists, we eliminate Christ and his word from our lives because we don't want to hear the truth about our sin. That's how we eliminate it. One way we do it by neglecting the word, we don't read it, we don't seek to obey it, we are ignorant of what it says. Another way is that we eliminate or dilute the God's word. By saying, talking about revelations. If someone comes and tells you, God told me this, can you challenge him? You can't. God never told me, he told you. Unbiblical revelations take precedence over God's word. Allowing us to do what we want and when it's convenient. So the third characteristic, the first one is your affiliation. Second one is your action. The third one is your alignment with God's word. And the fourth one we find in verse 41. We were not born of fornication. We all looked at it. We have one Father, God. So basically what they are doing, if you really dive into this verse, what they are saying is that, Jesus, we have one Father, God, but you are an illegitimate child. Because they know Jesus as the son of Joseph and Mary. And they know that Jesus, in their worldly mind, was born out of wedlock. So what are they trying to do? Instead of dealing with their own sin, they diverted the issue by pointing at others and they, they are supposed false. So if you are a true believer, true child of God, you love the light of God to expose your sin and you will try to make amends with God. When someone confronts you, with your ungodly behavior, how do you react? You should have the humility to hear, to repent, and to reconcile instead of justifying 
or reasoning out. You will not attack and put down those who are convicting you of your sin. You embrace it with humility, repent, seek forgiveness and be reconciled. A great biblical story I love is King David. You know, as King David was confronted by Prophet Nathan, this is all he said. If you go and read it, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Then he wrote a beautiful psalm. What psalm? 51. Read it. With a contrite heart. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart. So that's the fourth characteristic that we are looking at. You attack or look down on those who convict you. The last one. The fifth one is that you do not abide by God's word. I want to explain this to you. Verse number 43. Look at this again. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. To able to listen to my word. In other words, you cannot hear my word. Now, Jesus, when, when, he, when he talk about it, he, he doesn't say you do not hear my word, but you cannot hear. You, not that you do not hear, you cannot hear. There's a difference between do not hear and cannot hear. You understand what I'm saying? You cannot hear simply means your inability to obey it. Your, your spiritual inability. You are not able to comprehend it. Verse 46, Jesus says this, look at this. Which of you convicts me of sin and if, you tell that, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? You are not, not able to believe it because it is not sinking in you. Not that you can't hear it, but you cannot comprehend it. And again, Jesus answers in verse 47, He who is of God, what? Hears God's word. Verse 47, sorry, I've gone past. Oh, maybe right on the, on the latter part of it. Verse 47, He who is of God, what? Hears God's words. So if you don't hear God's word, what does that mean? You are not of God. The term here simply means abide. Abide. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. That's what he's talking about. The Bible is clear that because of sin, unbelievers cannot do anything to pleasing toward God. They are unable to understand the gospel or other spiritual truth. The reason that false children of God do not listen to the word of God because they have not been born of God. They are, not, they are the children of the devil. The reason the false children of God follow Satan and his de evil deeds is because they have not been born of God. You know, church, if there is one scripture that you want to take from today, this is a scripture I, I hold it near and dear to my heart. As a pastor, as a servant of God, in no stretch of imagination I am perfect, please. I am the, I am, I am the worst sinner, like Paul says, but I want us to grasp this. Paul writes to the saints in Thessalonica and this is what he says. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain. Abiding in God's word, meaning doing what is pleasing to the Lord. Right? So doing what is pleasing to the Lord is that if there is a doubt in an activity that you are going to be engaged in, and if that is going to lead or portray yourself as evil, what is the Bible saying here? Abstain from it. Not abstain from evil. 
abstain from what? The appearance of evil. The appearance of evil. And then Paul says, I pray God, in the latter part of 23, I pray God who hold, I'm sorry, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Blameless. Only a true child of God can hear this warning. Isn't it? Only a true child of God can hear it. Others will justify their behavior by pointing to others, so-and-so is doing it, why can't I do it? Church, if there is an iota of doubt, iota of doubt, abstain from all appearance of evil. There was a great, uh, there, was, there was another pastor whom I, who is a very close uh, friend of mine, he used to tell me this, if there is a shirt that you are going to wear today and if you have a doubt that the shirt may be dirty, most likely it is. That's so true, church. It's a very simple example. If you had just brought it from the laundrette and if it is just dry clean and if it is still hanging in this polythene covers, there is no iota of doubt, isn't it? It's clean. But if it is hanging outside and maybe you have worn, maybe it's dirty, most likely it is. Abstain from all appearance of evil. This, that is the true child of God. Church, in conclusion, please know that it's possible to go convincingly through life. All of us. Assuming that we are children of God. Because we go through the outward motions of Christianity while our heart is far from God. Here are the five characteristics that the Lord was pointing to the Jews who were the children of the devil. How do you see yourself in these areas? We looked at five here. Your affiliation, your action, your alignment with God's word, your attack on those who are convicting you, your abiding in God's word. It would be utterly tragic to hear the Lord saying when we appear, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice. You who practice lawlessness. Make sure that you are a child of God. If you have not committed your life to the Lord, there's only one way that the Lord is very clear and if you are in the scriptures, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you believe in him? Have you received him? To the believers who are struggling with issues that we discussed today, if your actions are not in line with the true believer, I know that we are all guilty of that. It could be anger, it could be lying. Those are the two actions we looked at here. Let us come to the throne of grace and seek forgiveness. The appeal to the, from the Lord is this, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Shall we pray? Son, can you come up, just you? I want all of us just to take a moment. 
just to close your eyes and I just want you to ask yourself, does your action in life, I'm talking to believers now, truly portray you as a child of God? May today be the day that we are going to just ask the Lord to help us to come to the right place, seek His forgiveness. Let us surrender ourselves, our whole self, and let's remain silent for a moment. And as Keith, if you can sing that chorus, let us just surrender ourselves to the Lord and commit our lives to the Lord and say, God, I have failed you miserably. Help me, God. I'm coming to you right now to reason out. My sins are like scarlet. You have promised that it will be as white as snow. My sins are like, uh, are red like crimson, but you promise it shall be as wool. Here, we, here I am, God. Let us surrender ourselves.